0: Welcome Welcome to Hearts Hearts and and Other Sex Parts,
1: parts, a podcast about redefining yourself
0: and your relationships. This is a safe space for the LGBTQ community, people of color, all genders, and gender nonconforming individuals, and all relationship types. These discussions will be strictly body and sex positive. We're your queer hosts, Keely
1: C. Helmick, licensed professional counselor. I'm Lindsay Jacobson, a.k.a. Jay, your resident queermo and sex ambassador. We'd like to state that our pronouns are she, her. For every guest we have on the show, we will introduce their pronouns as well. Yeah,
0: we got a lot of good shit in store for you today. As you know, this is our pilot episode, so it's a big deal. First, we'll give you a quick two-minute introduction about ourselves so you're aware of how fucking rad we are.
1: After that, we have a featured guest with us to aid in our theme discussion today. More than a MILF, Sarah Swafford.
0: At the end of every podcast, we will close with a smashing poem that goes with the theme of the show, because we love poetry, so you will, and too. And you
1: will, too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but first, <laughs> Keeley, tell yes. the listeners about your current professional status. Okay. Brag for a minute. I'm Keeley Helmick. As I said, I have my LPC,
1: which stands for Licensed Professional Counselor. I got my master's in counseling psychology from Lewis and Clark College here in Portland, Oregon, and since then for the past 10 years, I've been focusing on working with re- as a relationship counselor and sex therapy.
0: Very interesting. Mm. How about your past? Give us some dirt. <laughs>
1: okay. I'm a 36-year-old cis woman. I was born and raised in Portland, Oregon. At a time, I was in an open non-monogamous relationship with a cis male for about nine years and legally married for about six of them. Kiwi, what is cis? Ah, yes. Cis is the term used to describe someone whose gender identity matches their gender assigned at birth. So I was assigned female at birth based on my genitalia, and I identify as female. Carry on. (laughs) So, as I was saying, I was married to this cis dude for about six years, and we had an amical divorce... And since then, I've primarily been dating other cis women, currently in a monogamous relationship. And have no daughters. We don't mention them. Oh, yeah. I have (laughs) some awesome, awesome daughters. Well, Keely, you sound like a really amazing person. Yes. Okay. Thank you, Jay. It's your turn. Tell us about your professional shit.
0: Well, I'm Jay. By day, I am a professional IT and business risk consultant, Uh, Aside from the business consulting that I do, I have side projects like this podcast. Uh, I'm in Spanish lessons, very beginner Spanish, movie
1: beginner,
0: (laughs) movie beginner, Uh, and I'm passionate about relationships, communication, sexuality, and all things queer, which is why we're doing this podcast. Hmm, interesting. What Um, about your background? Well, I'm from Wisconsin. I moved to Portland about a year ago. Newbie. I've not been married, and I have no babies aside from myself. Uh, I'm 28 years young, and I identify as a cis woman also, she, her pronouns. Uh, although I, can, I hate labels, uh, I do uh, consider myself pansexual, and l- terminology lesson, according to whoever created that term, uh, means that I'm attracted to all genders and gender nonconforming individuals. Uh, none have worked out because my ass is still single, uh, currently taking applicants. Lessons Learned learned from from the Introductions. introductions. Keely is the expert. Jay is the layperson. Yeah, Uh, these topics are my passion and I will share my experiences, but we will defer to Keely or our guests for reference checks. With that, let's take a listen. Just to get started and get to know a little bit about you, why don't you tell us how you came into your specialty of sex education and sex coaching for new parents? What drives your passion for this topic?
2: Um, I began doing sex education kind of by accident. I, my first job out of college was at a rape crisis center and doing community education and prevention education. And then I ended up being a HIV health literacy educator, talking about um, working with support groups of people living with HIV and AIDS, and a lot of that was sex ed. Mm-hmm. And one by one, the jobs that I had um, leading into grad school, where I ha- got a master's degree in public health, were all about different types of sex education. and. Um, learning. Learning about our bodies and learning about how to prevent disease and infections. And so when I, after grad school, we had moved to a new town in Oregon and I was starting to make mom friends as many moms know. And you're like, Oh, I have my baby. I was pregnant. I had a Mm three-year-old and you start talking and you know, a common topic is sex after having a baby. And Mm -hmm. I knew when I first had my My oldest child, I was 26, I was relatively young, I'd always loved sex and all of a sudden I thought I would never want to have sex again. I was, you know, not, I I just, I couldn't fathom the the thought of it because I was exhausted. It hurt. I um, resented the hell out of my partner because I was just tired and he, you know, I felt like he didn't get it. He didn't get the how intense it was on my body. And so then when, when he would want to be intimate with me
1: and my body, I'm like, oh my God, no. So yeah. And do you I, feel like medical providers don't really understand how to help you either? No. Like you're talking to all these people that are like, hey, yeah, what's this whole thing, having sex after babies? And what are the medicals providing? Do all I
2: knew that? was, oh, there's six weeks. And then yeah. after six weeks, I literally thought everything would go back to normal. And like somehow everything is just... Back to how it was before you had the kid, but yeah. then you have a kid, and yeah. nothing is the same. Your yeah. body's not the same. Your boobs aren't the same. Your relationships not the same. So I went to um, Borders back when there it still existed, and I walked the aisles. I like had like I had a babysitter for some reason because I never had a babysitter back then, <laughs> and, and um, I walked the aisles looking for a book on sex after having a baby, and yeah. I could not find it. And I found a magazine. And all it said was like, wear sexy lingerie and try to look good for your man and drink a lot of wine. And I was horrified.
1: (laughs) It was all about prepping yourself.
2: Do it it for your partner Mm -hmm. or not. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. I I want to want to have sex again. Where's the book about wanting to want to have sex again? So um, after my, you know, we survived, we made it through after my second kid was born, that's when I started talking to other moms and yeah. I realized that it was more universal than I realized mm-hmm. and that there was a need. And so I, my, I set out to write the book that I wish I could have read. So that's how
0: it came full circle. So let's talk about your book. Okay. So there's a lot of good content in this book that can be taken and applied to all different types of relationships. So as I said in the beginning, last year Sarah published a book entitled Ouch to Ah, The New Mom's Guide to Sex After Baby. So at the end of the day, reading through this book, there is so much that can be taken away about sexual health, sexual empowerment, doing what's right for you, honoring your feelings, your needs, honoring your mind, your body. A lot of these topics can be taken away and applied to, even if you don't have a baby, sexual relationships. But this is an especially important topic and one that we really want to cover today, um, especially from the lens that, um, that you went through. So what lens were you coming from writing this book like you just said? Your intended audiences was just for that, right?
2: Mm-hmm my my very specific person i was writing it for was me right after i had my first kid it's the mom who wonders what the hell happened to her sex life is she ever going to want to have sex again and is really struggling with the idea that something's wrong with her mm-hmm. and that something and and that's what i hear over and over again and i know that's how i felt something must have that something was intrinsically wrong with me mm-hmm. and yep. so what I say a lot in the book is you're normal. It's normal to feel that way. It's normal to struggle. It's Mm -hmm. normal for this to be hard. And if you use, if you learn tools and use them, your relationship's going to be better for it. And you're going to be better for it because you're going to have a whole new sexual relationship with yourself. And you're going to learn about yourself in ways that maybe you didn't before. And you know, most most of us want to have, if, if we're in a long term monogamous relationship, we want that relationship to last. And so Eventually, in those relationships, you're going to have sexual troubles. Yeah. Before kids, after kids, menopause, prostate, whatever. And so, if you can practice learning tools, communication tools, um, learn about yourself, and learn about how what we like and what what we what turns you on, what I enjoy, what. Um, what does it for me is yes. always changing. Yep. And so yes. it, we get to explore, it's important to explore, it's important to ask questions, it's important to communicate about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's a big thing throughout, like one of the things you're asking, we're talking about is like how this has a thread through not just for new moms but for so many people, yeah. it's like being able to identify and communicate what your desires are and be able to say, yeah, I want this in bed mm-hmm. or I'd like to try this out or this is what makes me feel good. Yeah, And moms, have this new way in like feeling their body in a different way and connecting with their body in a way, mm-hmm. different way, yeah. and some positive things that aren't talked about either.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so that's one of the first things um, that you go into in your book is how becoming a mom can change your identity and just. Uh, for our listeners, we like to know, like in your book, you specifically describe the different types of moms, and I just want to list them to point out that there's all these different types of moms. We have adoptive moms, biological moms, moms of babies born via surrogate, we have single moms, heterosexual moms, LGBTQ moms, co-parents, teenage moms, middle-aged uh, moms, and mom. that doesn't even cover them. moms of every culture, race, and ethnicity. Mm-hmm. So this, this conversation today is not just for these moms, but it's also for the partners of those moms because the partners go through the response of what the mom is going through. So this discussion today isn't just for these moms, it's also for the partners of those moms that are also going through it. So you just, uh, both of you just talked about how becoming a mom changes your identity, it can alter how you see yourself. Maybe just explain to the audience, the, from as someone who becomes a new mom, especially that went through the birthing process process, how can that, what effect does that have on you physically, mentally, and how does that affect your sexuality?
2: Um, and just also, you know, I want to, you know, there are trans dads who birth babies also, and yep. so that is this is an experience that is even broader than just moms, so I just wanted to mention that. Thank you. Um, even though I use the word mom a lot, okay. <laughs> okay. including in the title of the book. Um, yep. Okay, so repeat the question. The end of the question. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, just how <laughs> how these changes be- oh, taking on a baby into your family, whatever type of um, parent, co-parent you may be, how that can affect your sexuality. Okay, in the in the partnerships.
2: One thing that you know, when I started interviewing mom moms for for the book, I. Um, I think I expected most women's experiences to be really similar to mine. And so one thing mm. that was really fun was to talk with women who had very different experiences. So yeah. you know, a lot of these things are generalizations and clearly the book is for moms who are struggling in some way because they went and looked, bought the book that says From Ouch to Ah. But um, I think that pretty generally having a child changes your sense of who you are in the world. So it changes your perception of like, what am I here for? Especially when you have a newborn and your body, if you are breastfeeding is on demand mm-hmm. every hour, every two hours, um, you you have been through the birthing process. So your body has, you've been pregnant, you've birthed a baby, your genitals feel different. Your, um, you may have weight in different places. You will have weight in different places right. and that can stay it can you can add on to it your i mean i remember i meeting like friends of my parents who wouldn't make eye contact with me because of how big my breasts were when i had my first kid cuz i've always been super flat-chested yeah. and like it was literally like oh just like glancing down cuz it was so different it
1: was like pamela anderson you know That's from awesome. <laughs> Speaking of breasts, in the book you have a little tidbit about how to, like, if you how to incorporate breasts into <laughs> sex play. And actually, you want know, to explain what you say in the book about breast milk About and having a, a breast identity <laughs> crisis? Yes, yes, yes yeah. Yes.
2: Because I mean, I know that I I nursed and I didn't want, I did not want my partner anywhere near my breasts for a really long time. And then when I did, it was like, are they for me? Are they for? are they for my baby and it was so conflicting the the Mm -hmm. the the feeling of using your breasts and your nipples in sexual play when you were feeding a baby Um, so yeah I mean there are what I like is just all the you know when talking to women all the the different ideas and the different experiences that they have, like, you know, oh, my breasts are off limits, absolutely not, you know, and so I'm gonna wear a bra, and no, you're not allowed to touch them, and we're gonna communicate about that, and you're gonna Mm -hmm. be cool with that, and know that this is for this time right now, whatever that may be, weeks, months, and that's okay. Or the other mom who's like, "Hell yeah, I love it! And my <laughs> orgasm, and my breast milk comes out, and then we just like incorporate it as vaginal lubrication, and like lick yeah, it." Yeah, I didn't and know that. That
0: was a thing you could do.
2: My <laughs> partner gets a mouthful, and he loves it. Or like, I think we're scary, and <laughs>
0: <I'm fine. laughs> That sounds pretty kinky. <laughs> hey,
2: I no had anyone ever talked to you about that oh, before.
1: Oh
0: no, <laughs> no, 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 no! Like you can no. use. I know, like the best so like the you can use the breast milk. You can just use it. Yes, yeah. yeah. for it's kind for of like nectar,
2: nectar of the gods. It's about as so natural, natural,
0: organic as it gets. My nutritionist.
2: No. I hope our listeners <laughs> take that
1: away. <laughs> Which breast the milk closest is lubricant thing people. to Ben and Jerry's, yes, is a lubricant. Closest thing to Ben and Jerry's. Interesting.
2: I mean, but you might not like it, right? Because it also yeah. has sugar in it, so it might feel sticky after it's drying. It, it just depends on what feels right to you, yeah. and so that's. I, I I remember, you know, I know that the milk letdown during orgasm is a surprise for many women. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. the milk letdown. Yeah, like you orgasm and then, you're milk comes out of your breasts in yes, a powerful so way, way. Oh.
1: out of your nipples. So let down. Yeah. So let down as well. Yes. Yeah. Okay.
0: She knows about, I wish everyone could ways. see her face right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a learning experience for all of us. <laughs> yeah. It's the best birth control ever. <laughs> right. So Obviously we learned there's many effects that it can have on your sexuality. Let's move into talking about, uh, in the book you talk about, if you've suffered trauma in your life or if you're a survivor of sexual abuse or assault. Uh, sexual difficulties after having a baby can bring up a past trauma so this is something that I had obviously as someone who hasn't had a child had never thought of if you've survived a a sexual trauma or abuse incident that having a baby seems so far removed from that incident that I did not realize that it could trigger um, some of those memories or some of those experiences so you obviously mentioned in the book if it's a trigger for you, if you're realizing these things are coming up, consult a mental health provider. But maybe you could talk further of how is that correlated? Um, and then, I guess, aside from um, seeing a mental, a mental health provider, what can someone do if they're having these, these thoughts or these triggers um, to get back to s- some level of a healthy sex life? And maybe they never even had one before that maybe it took having the baby for some of that, but yeah, just that general topic.
2: I mean, I, I've, I've talked with lots of women who dealing with the difficulties of sex after baby has helped them deal with whatever it is that might be in their past, whether it's trauma or not, mm-hmm. but just, you know, not maybe there was someone who didn't enjoy sex. Why is that? Maybe they were someone who had never had an orgasm, like working towards that. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the case of trauma, I'm not the therapist, you're the therapist, but, um, I think it it's the having difficulty around sex. Yeah. That can it be a trigger you have to deal with it. Whether it's a memory or not a memory, but it's a it's a physical thing that you feel in your body and there can be pain associated or mm-hmm. discomfort or it's not you know exciting in the way that it used to be and so I think that that, that allows for
1: for past trauma to maybe appear but I, you know, you're the therapist too.
0: What do you think on this topic? What do you think the correlation is?
1: It is something happening to your body that you don't have control of. And so when women find themselves pregnant, and especially um, it can happen in labor and postpartum, this is something so when you're having consensual sex, it's... Fun, it's, you know, it's pleasurable, it's consensual versus a trauma was non-consent. And so when the body is being taken over by something that you don't have as control of, that's mm-hmm. part of the trigger. And so what the best thing that people can do, just like what we're talking about throughout the podcast today is, is talking, is having open communication and having an, a partner, who can be understanding and recognize you know sometimes partners really put a lot of blame on themselves and it can be really hard for men to not be able to connect with their partner in that way and so for, me, for, you know, for the, the spouses or partners in the position is, is being able to um, recognize and understand that it's not about them and
0: giving them space and time To work through it together space and time heals everything (laughs) hopefully so so um that's actually something that was brought up in the book just especially um this topic in, in relation to the difference between a heterosexual couple versus a queer couple in the book you talk about in attempts to kind of explore your sexuality again um maybe starting to masturbate or or use sex toys uh just kind of things to start Getting yourself back into more of a sexual mindset.
1: Yes. So if you're not, if you're not experiencing trauma, <laughs> <laughs> if
0: you're not experiencing how, yeah, trauma, how to move through, how to navigate. So, so not going all the way into the topic of sexual exploration with your partner, just with yourself. That difference between. Um, you know, heterosexual versus queer couples going through this experience and trying to get back to sexuality. Um, You interviewed a few dozen people for this book and you mentioned that some of them were also um, queer people. What were the differences in terms of trying to get back on their feet, working out these dynamics, um, gender roles, do you think there's more struggles in in heterosexual relationships having those gender roles versus queer couples? Is there an advantage with queer couples? Um,
2: I think this is a really interesting question, and you know, my experience is based on the people that I talk to, and I'd love to see like a big study done on this. Um, but there, you know, I, as I said in the book, like there there are many women who I who I talk to, heterosexual women who. Um, are really scared to think about the idea of incorporating a sex toy like a vibrator um, Which can be really helpful to a mom because it it gives very direct stimulation to the clitoris or the clitoral area and Can really jump start it can jump start things in a way that sometimes parents need mm-hmm. there's sometimes there's not as much time as yeah. There was before kids and so um, heterosexual women what I've heard a lot um, are things like, oh, I I just couldn't. Oh God, what would my what would my husband think? Mm-hmm. Or um, I know when they um, or women who who have gotten a sex toy or have a, a vibrator for their own use, but are scared to tell their partner about it, and mm-hmm. so it's something that they and again it's a lot about there's a shame involved around it, and none of the queer women that I talked to that was never that would have that wasn't even It's like, which toy are we going to use today? Right. I mean, it's (laughs) such a part of like conversation. And, you know, I I think the main reason is because heterosexual couples often we have been socialized to think about intercourse as penis and vagina. And Mm -hmm. that's what we're working towards. Everything is towards that goal. Yeah. And whereas queer couples, it's all about communication. In, in different ways and probably healthier ways. What are we gonna do? What do you like to do? What um, what are we gonna use, you know? So anyway, yeah, that option. Was, yeah.
1: So you brought up shame mm-hmm. and I just wanna touch on, I think that a big thing that I notice with my clients and just, you know, reading mm-hmm. about this topic and talking about it is Even the differentiation and this shame around being a mother and sexual, Mm -hmm. and we have this virgin horror complex in our society, and so just the thought process for some, not for all women, but for some women, they go through this process of with the identity of even being able to be, feel sexual. It's like, yeah. Oh no, I'm a mom now. Yeah, I'm not sexual. I wear mom jeans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Oh God. You know, I don't have, I don't wear the same thing that I used to. I'm just, I'm just not sexual. Yeah. And so just sometimes getting over that psychological, do you, do you agree? Oh, like absolutely. Psychological I mean, hurdle. Regaining your it, sexual I
2: have a it. few top tips one of them is get a fucking lock for the door and <laughs> <laughs> it is like <laughs> such a mind blower for some parents. Like, Oh, Wait, I well, have I, stories. I, I, I couldn't. I'm like, oh, you can. Yes, and you know okay. what? You also can have sex during the day, and you can put on the TV for your kids while you have sex. Like, yeah. That's all okay. <laughs> but this idea that like, but during the daytime, the children are awake. So that if the children's are, children are awake, then I, I just can't get my head there. And so what, what it is is it takes practice. It yeah. takes intentionality. It takes setting the idea of like, First, I have permission. I, this sexual is okay. It is actually good for my kids, yeah. for their mama to be happy in her sex life.
0: So how Our, how would you um, in your book you have a whole section on sexual empowerment. What does sexual empowerment mean to you, and how can how can we regain that if it's or maybe just gain it in general create it? Um, what does sexual empowerment mean to you?
2: Okay, so what's the um, title for this podcast? <laughs> <laughs>
0: More than a MILF. <laughs> More than a
2: MILF. Okay, which I love. I love that you guys came up with this. and uh, Or for this episode, I should say. And um, I think it's, it's being your own MILF. I want to be the mom I want to fuck. Like, yeah. moms should... You know, if I, my motto is like changing the world one vibrator at a time, like giving women permission oh, awesome. to, and, and so many women don't need permission. So many women have, they've got like a closet full and they're like, here's Monday, here's Tuesday, here. you know, like yeah. this is not for everybody. But so many women do, they, they need to hear that it's okay to want, it's okay to, it's okay to struggle. It's okay for this to be hard. There's nothing broken or wrong with you and you, there are tools, there are resources, there are therapists, whatever you need is, that's that's what sexual empowerment is, is identifying what your needs are. What is What are my needs? What do I want? I want to want to have sex.
0: Right.
2: Identifying that, that's sexual empowerment. I want to have a threesome, that's sexual empowerment. Like there's, oh, it's man. identifying what it is, what is it that
1: I actually want? Oh, and that's so hard for women, for moms in particular, but women as well. Like, I literally will have women on my couch, and I looked at this mom the other day, and I said, well, well what do you want? Hmm. And she just burst into tears. <laughs> I've done that before. And I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, I She She's like, I don't know, I don't know, and I'm like... <laughs> You know, I'm in my, like, therapy mode. And I'm like, oh, you know, we're inside. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm making you cry. <laughs> I'm
2: so sorry. But it is a really hard, basic thing. It's putting everyone else's needs before your own. And it gets and
1: drained out of us.
2: It does. And Care the first thing that will leave is your sexual energy. Yes. When you are overly exhausted and you are caring about everybody, you will not want to have sex. It, it will dry up because who's going to want to have sex when all you're doing is worrying about other people. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, giving ourselves, I think the first step to sexual empowerment and to wanting to want to have sex or feeling great about our sex lives is giving ourselves permission to take care of ourselves in other ways. Forget the sex. Yeah. What is it that sure. you need to do, that we need to do going to, to me recharge your batteries mm-hmm. and to like give yourself permission to have someone else take care of things? let something fall off the plate, you know? Maybe Mm -hmm. there's something you don't need to do right now. And I think that's the struggle all of us moms.
1: We all have it, probably daily. Oh my gosh, I always say, I tell moms this all the time, at least moms that I can be like really blunt with in my office, it's like, if women around the world had enough to eat and got enough sleep and had more (laughs) sex, Oh My god the world would be a better place. Really like, can you imagine that world mm-hmm. like I look at these zombies Walking into my office yeah. and like no self-care
2: lack of sleep is huge lack of sleep yes. actually kills people and so you're talking yes. about new moms who are exhausted and Then they wonder why I mean they wonder why you we wonder we wonder we all wonder why I why don't I want to have sex and It's
0: so <laughs> evident it's yeah. so clear so, where can the partners come into play for this? Helping you get more sleep, helping you give you some space, helping you, um, and that comes back into this is why it's important for partners to be listening to this podcast. Yes. <laughs> is this is what <laughs> this is what um, you know may be needed. So, what can partners do to, aside from the standard, really listening, honing in on what your needs are? Well, you talked about earlier, and we didn't. I feel like I didn't answer
2: clearly. Also, just kind of about um, gender the breakdown of of, of work yep. in a family situation yeah. when you have two partners who are taking care of a child and um, lots of times women are bearing the brunt of the child care the child caring and so that you're saying in a hetero in a heterosexual relationship. relationship. Yeah. And so that's something that hetero couples can learn from queer couples is like sharing that more mm-hmm. so that again women are are able to to not feel like it's all their responsibility in a heterosexual couple you and know and then on top, top of it to please their partner yeah <laughs> on top of taking care of Oh my god that's so the much. other thing is like if we can wanting to want to have sex because i want to not to please yes, my partner right. yes. and you know i get asked a lot you probably do too should i just have sex just to just to do it and I mean, there are times when that's fine, but if that's what you're doing all the time, if that's what your sex right. life looks like, if that makes you feel good to everyone, oh, sure, okay, fine, sure, yeah, like, I'm not totally in the mood, but, you know, we can do this, and it'll be fine, it's totally mm-hmm. fine, that's one thing, to, like, suck it up and have sex that you don't feel like having sex over and over again, um, Debbie Herbenick, who's Herbenick, She has a doctorate and she's a a sex educator. She talks about you. You develop the dread factor. You start to dread Mm -hmm. it, and so you're creating a a a body response to even the idea of sex, and that's not good for your relationship. So no.
1: Do you ever listen? Have you talked or do you know who Amy Gilliland is? Mm -mm. She's a PhD and she works and she does sex education, but she works also with doulas a lot. Okay. And I don't. I don't think she coined this, but she talks about the yes, no, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I love women. I don't know who, I'm trying to think who started, but the yes, I've heard no, this, maybe yes. it's like, so people, if they, women, especially, it's like, okay, so if your partner approaches you and if you're like a no, then you're no, then mm-hmm. okay, good. No. But if you're maybe then let's talk about things that can maybe move you into yes. a yes. and give it 10 or 15 minutes. And after 10 or 15 minutes, if you're done, you're done. But that maybe can oftentimes turn into a yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, and it gets... Maybe any- equals... Yeah. Foreplay. Yes. But but formplay- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> foreplay can be for, I'm sorry, but uh, porn for some hetero women who have husbands is if you have the man with the baby on his back vacuuming, <laughs> that is mama porn. That is mama porn. <laughs> taking <laughs> <born>. <laughs> care of business. And mom just gets to sit back for a minute.
2: Well, and the, the yes-no maybe gets to the idea that sometimes... Okay, so turning off our mom brain
0: mm-hmm. and turning mm-hmm. on. On
2: our sensual brain that feels like it really does feel like a switch like oh my god I can't do I can't do both I can't get in the mood and then be worrying about my kids or being worrying about what, washing the dishes or whatever we need to do so broaching the idea of sex but like there's so many ways to do it more than like hey you want to fuck later or, yeah right <laughs> uh yeah tonight so tonight huh tonight right like Thinking about the approach helps a lot. um, To go back to
0: basics, what do you do (laughs) when you're courting someone? And you know, a lot of these (laughs) communication effort, sometimes a lot of effort, days or weeks. (laughs) You know, so yeah. But the
2: idea of it, just having the idea, like, oh, it's a possibility. Okay, I'm going to work myself towards that because I know that I actually enjoy it when I do intentionality. Yes, but. It's, it's being able to think your way towards it, you know, mm-hmm. if you're ready for that.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so that leads us into the topic of orgasms. Yes. So you have a wonderful part of your book called The Truth About Orgasms. It's on page 45. <laughs> it's probably one of my favorite uh, parts of the book. Um, telling us the truth about orgasms in general... Um, and then orgasms after having a baby. So you also brought up um, Sigmund Freud's theory, and I think it's kind of, in some ways, still a a view that we're fighting in our society, but just what real sex is um, and how can we talk about the many different types of orgasms that there are so so yeah so that book um this part of it i really enjoy so maybe you could first tell us the truth about orgasms <laughs> <laughs> sigmund's sigmund freud's theory um on what real sex is we can debunk that and then maybe just generally talk about how that can affect your orgasms after having a baby we already know there's gonna be milk squirting out of the nipples potentially <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna look out for some that. women are squirters and some women are not yeah, you know yep. you just
2: don't know Yep.
0: <laughs> so, truth about orgasms.
2: Go. Okay. Well, um, I came upon this really by when with interviews and talking to women who over and over again said something is wrong with me because I don't orgasm during intercourse. Yeah. And so, with internal vaginal stimulation from the penis, like being penetrated by the penis, hetero hetero women and something. So I, you know sex doesn't work for me, it's not fun for me. And Sigmund Freud, his theory was that a real orgasm is only one that comes from inside of the vagina. So like clitoral external stimulation was not. And he called them infantile. Yeah, now clearly he, you know, other medical practitioners like have been inducing orgasms for hundreds of years to treat everything that a woman might have, you know, Mist, bis, what is it that dogs have distemper <laughs> like you know just a woman who was too free thinking yeah. or had was in a bad mood or um, you know whatever she might have that they would hysteria. say was hysteria then she could go to the doctor and they would externally or internally also you know induce an, an orgasm through clitoral stimulation so this was his you know bullshit yeah. I need to say something about something I really don't
0: know anything about. Obsession so. with the penis So Um, the way, but
2: I think it, it has had huge repercussions because we have such a, an intercourse centric, um, approach to thinking about sex. And so thinking, and in the movies, I mean, everyone, they were, you know, the man, the woman are having sex. And it's the hetero couple, and then they both orgasm at the same time. And then it's like,
1: oh, I'm yeah. perfect simultaneously. And then yeah, I know. <laughs> and
2: I, what I really want to see is the woman having multiple orgasms while the guy, like, holds it for a really long time. <laughs> That's what I want to see. I want to that see the women giving shit. each other multiple orgasms. <laughs> because like, so that totally <laughs> we don't, happens in real life. yeah, <laughs> so you, yeah but yes. like, in mainstream movies, I can't Thirty. Think
0: per, of... So it says 30% movies. of women have never had an orgasm during penetration intercourse or is this generally intercourse but um, not to mention the majority of women do not have um, vaginal
2: orgasms yeah. most women and I think the numbers are like 70 True 80% people. have um, you know and the, the what's amazing is when you're having an internal orgasm, it's also there, that, that those are the clitoral nerve endings also being stimulated inside mm-hmm. of there. But like, so the clitoris is this huge roadmap map of nerve endings throughout the whole genital area. So, mm-hmm. whatever type of orgasm you're having, is is the right orgasm. And there are so many women who don't orgasm but like sex. Like there are. You know, I think it's or it's orgasm peer pressure basically. It's like, oh, your orgasm isn't good enough. Yeah, they're not the right kind. It's not the right kind, or you can't enjoy sex, and um, something's wrong with you because you don't orgasm. And those are it's just wrong. It does it does women a disservice, and um, I think it's time that we cleared cleared that up. Yeah. We need new
1: sex education. <laughs> yeah, and there are amazing sex educators
2: who are doing that, which is really yes. awesome and. Um some really amazing books that, you know, a really great book that I've been reading is Come As You Are. Oh yes, yep. Yeah. Fantastic. I have it Emily Nagoski. Right yeah. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. She's so there's cool. a lot of really wonderful new writing that cool. Imagine that, like women well, studying it versus the men.
0: Yeah. I mean I'm just saying. The clitoris has impossible impossible uh Endless opportunities. I, like. <laughs> I mean, you can come multiple, multiple times um, with the clitters within an hour. Yeah, you know, and to the point where it becomes of, painful. Right. Yeah, and you're, <laughs> you're so like, oh god, no, not, not again. Yeah.
1: Which makes me think of one of your things you talk about. I don't want to forget the lube. Oh, <laughs> yes the lube
0: that's like stuff Use that's page lube. one page yes. one yes
1: so it doesn't
2: get painful <laughs> I don't know. and don't go straight I and mean, the other thing is don't go straight to penetration no. for a really long time I mean um, this is after you give birth like seriously I'm talking a year Okay. sex can be hard for like a year postpartum mm-hmm. as in physically painful after mm-hmm. a year then you're just dealing with like the emotional repercussions and the like raising a toddler it does get better it really does I mean use that, lube what, use lube take or your time milk. or breast or breast milk take your time you i mean seriously this is where you get to explore every type of oral sex manual sex whatever it is that you mm-hmm. need that's not penetrative if it's if it sounds like a gift is that a word penetrative yeah. yeah if it's if it um if it's painful
1: yeah
2: do what feels good
1: yep so do what, what
2: would you tell your girlfriend would you tell your girlfriend to suck it up right and oh you should just just suck it up and it will get better no you would say it, babe Take mm-hmm. your time. Do what feels right to you. It's going to get better. Yep. And that's the good news. Like, once your babies aren't babies, sex can be better than ever. You learn yeah. so much about your body so through this process. Sexual, yeah.
0: Sexual it's exploration not, with your partner or yourself, um, sex talk, communication. It's not all a horror story. Mm-hmm.
1: Like,
2: it... Um, I Some of the, my favorite stories are of women who have really entered their... Um, sexual empowerment
1: after yes. having babies mid 30s to 40s 40s yeah. hell yeah yeah
2: it's i mean it's a wonderful time you're it's like sometimes it's a wonderful time <laughs> <laughs> We, like, can, we, can, uh, we can sketch <laughs> that. No, that
1: was
0: awesome. <laughs> it's really a wonderful time.
2: It is, though. It's so much better. Like, I feel like every, and you know. And no one talks about no that. No one does. No, I was like, is
1: there something wrong with me? <laughs> like, I'm like, I think I have a teenage boy. Yeah. I'm like, oh, oh my God. Yes.
0: You're saying specifically um, women peaking when they're in their mid-30s Let's not use the word peaking. Not peaking. Okay.
2: Because that means, like, we're at the top right now. And then it goes it And then it like reaches uh, there's a yes uh, a
1: peak an a peak I mean, there's a peak just I keep don't going know. up from there <laughs> but you don't no one talks about that yeah. no one talks about that part of it where you're like Oh shit.
2: I think thinking about sex all the time. Yes. Having it really tied to your cycle and having weeks where you're like thinking about sex with anyone and everything, and then other weeks where it's like, oh, never mind. But in this really strong, powerful way, which also as a mom can be like almost weird. Like you're at the grocery store and then you're like, oh. You're like, you're physically aroused. (laughs) And you're you're, like, I'm that what? Yeah, and you're like buying cereal. So. Again,
1: I <laughs> no, I'm so glad I. No one can tell the Madonna tell. horror, you know. <laughs> but that's a P. I want to see that book. Where is that book for the like? We need to write it. Yes, <laughs> thirty, thirty to fifty. You know that. Oh. Yes.
2: <sighs> yes. And there, so you know, with communications, okay, you know, using the tools that you learn through the hard times help you during the good times and. That's how life is. We're going to have ebbs and flows in our sex life. We're going to have ebbs and flows in our relationship. Are There there's a, yeah. there are weeks when I'm just like, oh my her. God, my husband, I love him so much. He's amazing. And there are weeks when I'm like, oh my God, like, mm-hmm. I, I can't do another day. You know, And it's just, that's how it is. And knowing that when it is hard, it can get better. And then really enjoying it when it's good. I think that's where it is. Don't feel guilty. Explore. Learn about yourself. Learn about your partner. Um, the same things that turned you on before you had babies are not going. Might not turn you on after you have kids. So you have to find what it is. You have to watch movies, read books, play together share stories, enter into your fantasy life, you know, sex
1: is adult play, <laughs> it is,
2: you know, giving yourself permission to indulge in fantasy. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's another one for women. Our, our, you know, mind, our mental playground is so powerful and can be the, the biggest turn on more than anything, really. And, you know, it's hard for a lot of women to give themselves permission to, to, to think about sexy things
1: and fun things. Give permission, I think the other piece, you know, we we're kind of going back into that piece of like turning, you know, being sensual and feel, feeling like you don't you know, want to have sex. And that stress, when you're stressed, mm. you're physically yep. not going to be sexually aroused. Like, Exhausted be- and stressed. And we wonder why new moms don't want to have sex. because <laughs> you physiologically, <laughs> your body will not be turned on if you're yeah. stressed out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I love the, the. But
2: sex is also
0: a de stressor. Yes. So it goes oh, both keep ways. That in mind. Yes. <laughs> um, so at the end of the book, uh, and again, uh, good we sex. Kind of, we're kind of going over highlights here of your book, but I love this uh, last part of your book is entitled Troubleshooting. Um, a few final things that may help you as you explore your sexuality now. Um, you know, asking for validation, ask your partner to tell you um, what you do well, what they want. It's really focused on. Um, I love this last part of just how you can open those discussions up with your partner yeah. um, so that you can come back together to being a team, feel like you can rely on each other and feel safe to express what you want. Um, this concept of uh, sensate focus, can you explain that to her just because I found that part? Um, just telling your partner that you just want to kiss and touch in non-sexual areas. So that was something that for some reason, that is what sensate focus is, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, could you just tell our readers what that is? Because I feel like we think of, oh, and if we're gonna have sex, you have to go all the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but that concept of coming back to just um, like 101 of just touching, kissing, not necessarily even touching each other's like genitals or, or pleasuring each other in that way, just kind of arousal. Um, what is sensate Focus? Um, so there's a therapeutic
2: way to use it. And maybe you could talk about that. And it's, it was developed by Masters and Johnson. And it's basically the idea that, um, taking time to learn about each other's bodies. So I'll just talk about it, how it can relate to cup to parents, right? Not outside of a therapeutic context, but, um, it, it is, it's saying we're not going to have, we're not going to touch genitals. It's setting that intention. Yeah, it's okay. saying, like, these are the rules, and, and I, you know, one thing that I did at a workshop recently, we were talking about it, and so, like, take, take a week, so one week it's my turn, the next week it's your turn, and so we're going to have, like, we're going to set a date, and we're going to have sex, and... Not sex, I'm sorry. (laughs) We're going to only touch. I'm going to only touch you. And you're going to tell me what you like and you're going to teach me so that I can be a better lover for you. And then you might also learn some things about what it is that you like or how you like it. And then you can do that to me. And so kind of learning about each other's bodies and the sensualness of our bodies apart from our genitals. And then you can work your way towards your genitals and then you can work your way towards penetration. But Kind of taking a couple steps back and just engaging in touch again. And as we were talking it's about like being, before the podcast is yeah. the idea that you can't have sex is almost the hottest thing.
0: Right. Sometimes
2: like, That's oh,
0: why I wanted to this month, this, whatever it
2: is, this week, this, this month, we are not going to have sex. Yeah. Right. Like, remember when, yeah. Take when, the pressure off. Yes, and, and then the idea like, like, oh, we
0: can't. How, okay, what else are we gonna do? <laughs> right. I mean, it goes back to like when you were actually a virgin. Yeah. You know, I mean, you and do it's these all things sex. as a teen. You know, everything's I don't know, yeah, yeah. It's all sexual play. It's all sexual play, but it's like as we, I don't know what happens, but as you get older, you just go right for the. Sex. <laughs> you just go right into each other. Well, you know, yeah. you don't go. That foreplay gets lost, especially when you're in longer-term relationships. You go into habits. I mean, everyone's been there, where you just you're habitual about your sex life, what you do, even what positions you do. You're down to boom, you have sex in three minutes, and it's over. and you do it in like the you know you have your three your you three three varieties <laughs> yeah. of I mean, positions. Get to the point where you're like, I don't even need to. Kiss. And you could probably time kiss. it, and if you took
2: like a sample of the past right. five times you've made love, at this point you'd move on exactly. to this point. So yeah, I don't think a
0: lot. Of, I would have never thought to just go back to this basics of just telling yourself we're not going to actually have sex. We're just gonna start slowly and feel each other out and know that sex actually isn't an option and setting that intention
1: and yeah well and and it arouses well on that thing we didn't touch on with the orgasm but I think it's really important that is a real big validation for some women is that oftentimes it takes women 12 to 20 minutes to orgasm from start. Like they need that I mean it's not just time. They need time to build up to orgasm. Mm-hmm. And so if you think about it's expanding from this exercise is that if women get that time to do this yeah. then with if penetration does happen, it doesn't take as long. Yeah. Because you've you've set the stage. Yes. And really taking care of and guys you'll be I mean men women we're talking all the relationships this will this helps like yes
2: what, and what time. I think is good about like, you know, if you have a female partner, your female partner may understand that better than a male partner. Like you're coming at it from, with maybe some, some similar understanding about how long it takes and how your body responds. Whereas it can be really confusing sometimes for male partners. Like, why isn't everything just the same? Like, as it was before? Oh, I don't know. You know, Mm -hmm. so communicating about it. And, um, and, and really, Sensate focuses what I believe all new parents, how they should re-enter Start, the world yeah. of yeah. sexual intimacy again, because yeah
1: there's there's no hurry, and there shouldn't be a hurry and Sensate... Sensate exercises, Sensate Focus can definitely be used for other things that come up as well, the issues, you know, even for, for men, it's often used for men that are having um, premature ejaculation. Mm-hmm. But we are, for this podcast, we're focusing on <laughs> women, but I just want to put it out there that men, this, you know, if you want to look this up further, the Sensate yeah. Exercises can be really good for couples and both men and women. Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: so that brings us kind of to our conclusion here, and I really love the first sentence of your conclusion. You say, motherhood is not the end of your sex life, it's a new beginning. And um, kind of just concluding on everything in this book. Uh, I like how you go into sex after babyhood can get better and better. In fact, hiding it from your kids can be erotic too. <laughs>
2: um, I mean, that's
0: what I was thinking about. It's like <laughs> this is the thing: don't have the same
2: sex. Don't so same we're talking sex. about having long foreplay, giving each other time, but also fucking have quickies yeah, if that's right. what you need to to, cause you. It's like you have
0: little secrets from your kids. Yeah. <laughs> kid. <laughs> yeah. So wouldn't that just be amazing? I mean. After after going through this book and all of these different topics that we've covered, coming back around to um, you know regaining and building a new sexual relationship with your partner yeah. and how you can actually um, reach your peak, it seems like in partnerships um, after you've had babies areas yeah. that you never even explored before.
2: And you're setting an example. You're teaching your kids what it is to have healthy communication. To be, um, I mean, so many of us. I didn't particularly myself, but, like, I know a lot of women who grew up in households where their parents never touched or never showed physical affection or didn't have healthy physical affection, you know? And so you're only setting a good example for your kids, which is what we all want. We want our kids to have healthy relationships eventually and healthy sexuality themselves. And so you're modeling that without, you know, you're not showing them how you're having sex. I don't mean that. I mean, they can see the dynamics that you're having with a partner and, and how you know, mommy takes time away with daddy or with mommy to, you know, have time by themselves. And they might not understand what that is, but eventually they will and they'll be horrified, but then <laughs> it will also be a really good example. It sets the stage for them to then give themselves permission. It yes. comes back yes. to permission giving, I guess. I yeah. Know.
0: Yep. So I just want to read this last part before we um, end today from your book. It's literally the conclusion, the last paragraph um, advice to, um, Advice to your readers and to our listeners. You say, this is your time to discover your capacity for sexual exploration and change, to develop new techniques and activities in the bedroom, and to enhance openness with your partner. You will be pleased and surprised by what you learn about your relationship, your partner or partners, and yourself. Now go lock that bedroom door and enjoy the journey. <laughs> <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> so, yeah, I think we... Um, Everyone who, who is listening, um, check out this book, From Ouch to Ah, The New Mom's Guide to Sex After Baby. And like we said, there's a lot that can be taken away from this book, no matter what um, relationship type or um, sexuality you have. Um, we learned Sarah. a lot of good things today. Yes, but before we end, Sarah, how do people find you? Oh, um, yeah.
2: my website is sarahjswofford.com, and so I have a lot of links on there, and my book is available, I think, on any you know digital platform amazon yep yeah thank you guys so much it was really wonderful talking with you all today thanks so
0: much boom (laughs) (laughs) first interview down uh that was very informative for me as we could all tell um yeah she's great sarah's great yeah so as mentioned uh we would like to end our podcast with some poetry and our closing poem that we picked out today, Keeley actually uh, reads this poem in her, in her relationship workshops, is called After Making Love, We Hear Footsteps, and it's by Galway Kinnell.
1: Or I can snore like a bullhorn or play loud music or sit up talking with any reasonably sober Irishman and Fergus will only sink deeper into his dreamless sleep which goes by all in one flash. But let there be that heavy breathing or a stifled come-cry anywhere in the house, and he will wrench himself awake and make for it on the run. As now, we lie together, after making love, quiet, touching along the length of our bodies, familiar touch of the long-married, and he appears, in his baseball pajamas it seems, the neck opening so small he has to screw them on, and flops down between us and hugs us and snuggles himself to sleep, his face gleaming with satisfaction at being this very child. In the half-darkness, we look at each other and smile and touch arms across this little, startlingly muscled body, this one whom habit of memory propels to the ground of his making. Sleeper only, the mortal sounds can sing awake this blessing love gives again into our arms.
0: Well, that was fucking adorable. Aww. <laughs> All right. So thank you for listening today. Uh, remember to subscribe to our podcast. We're on iTunes and SoundCloud. We are on Instagram and Facebook as Hearts and Other Sex Parts. Feel free to write us feedback or ask us questions by DMing our Instagram or Facebook pages. We're working on getting an email. Also, if you want to support our podcast and
1: educational resources, go to GoFundMe.com and find our donation page, which is also linked in our Facebook bio.
0: Yeah. We ask our listeners to donate $1 a month if you can, just because that's what other podcasts do. Uh, Or you could donate $6 every six months because math. Thanks for
1: listening. (laughs) Your hosts encourage you to stay open. And remember, self-love is is the the best love. love.